Thank you for joining us for this podcast from College Church of the Nazarene, University Avenue. The following was recorded live on location in Bourbonnais, Illinois. So this is what we read just a minute ago. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And I'm thinking that some of us, when we heard that scripture, I'm thinking this is what we heard. I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. If you follow me, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. I'm pretty sure that some of us heard that when we read that scripture. Not all of you, but some of you remember that from maybe Children's Church a long time ago. So Jesus, we think, was kind of taking a leisurely stroll along the lake and happened upon Simon and Andrew and noticed that they were fishermen, decided they were to be disciples, and so came up with a creative way to invite them to follow him. So Jesus, wanting to call them, thought to himself, well, they understand fishing since they're fishermen, so I'll put the call in terms they can understand, right? I will make you fishers of men. I'm not going to sing the whole thing. So if you follow me, there we go. I mean, what an ingenious way to call fishermen to be evangelists. So Jesus chose that metaphor because Peter and Andrew were fishermen, right? Because that's what it said. That's what it says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Like, so we think the fishing was accidental to the story, right? Just so happened that Andrew and Simon were fishermen, thus the nature of the invitation. So that if Jesus had been walking by a field, and if Andrew and Simon had been farmers, Jesus would have said something like, come follow me and I will show you how to harvest people. Right? Because farmers would understand that language. And if Jesus had been walking by a quarry, of which there were many in Nazareth, and Andrew and Simon had been stonemasons, he would have said something like, come follow me and I will show you how to excavate for people, right? I mean, granted, that would have been a little harder to sing as a children's song, right? I will make you excavators of men, excavators of men, excavators of men. I mean, that doesn't really work, does it? That doesn't work. But I've always wanted to have a musical instrument accent my preaching, so thank you. Makes for a much better story and a much better children's Bible song if it's come follow me and I'll make, uh, I'll make you fishers of men, I'll show you how to fish for people. But come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people is because he was wanting to provide these fishermen a metaphor for discipleship that they would understand. Yeah, no. Nope, nope, nope. 
I will make you fishers of men is not what happened at all, especially in the flavor of that children's song. Those two fishermen, Andrew and Simon, did not hear Jesus' invitation as a gentle, maybe intriguing request for them to consider participating with Jesus in the mission of making disciples. That is not what happened at all. And the reason I can say that and the reason we can say that is for this reason. Jesus did not create this metaphor of fishing for people. That metaphor, fishing for people, was not original with Jesus. He didn't come up with that one all on his own. So he wasn't simply being creatively engaging with fishermen, and had they been farmers or stonemasons, he would have said something else. Now, there's a whole lot more intentionality in Jesus' invitation to these fishermen than that. You see, Jesus was using a metaphor that had been used by the prophets before him, by Jeremiah, first, by Ezekiel, second, and by Amos, third. God fishing for people was one of the ways that the Old Testament prophets described God seeking us. So God the Son was using a metaphor that God the Father had given to the prophets. And I promise you, once we understand the original context, that changes the entire nature of the invitation. And it is very likely that no children's song would have ever been written about the way fishers of men was understood by those Jewish people. Here's what's true. Jesus called fishermen first because of how Jesus wanted the call to follow him understood. Once we hear how those Jewish fishermen heard the call, we'll better understand why they left their fishing nets immediately to follow Jesus. It wasn't a cute figure of speech. So Jeremiah, poor Jeremiah, we should feel sorry for Jeremiah. The Lord placed such a burden on Jeremiah because of the message that Jeremiah had to preach, and he placed this burden on Jeremiah from the very beginning. Listen to how Jeremiah was called as a prophet in the very first chapter of Jeremiah, and you'll understand upon reading this why we should feel sorry for Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, says Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God had plans for Jeremiah before he was even born. Amen. Probably not unique to Jeremiah. Amen. God just might have had plans for you before you were even born. Well, Jeremiah didn't want to. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Of course he was. He tried to get out of it. Who wouldn't? So in his attempt to speak of his unworthiness, he proved his, his worthiness to the call. In an attempt to prove his unworthiness, I'm too young, by virtue of that humility, he proved his worthiness for the call. But folks, I need to say this. Anybody who knows anything about the call of God on their lives understands the wisdom of trying to get out of it. Anybody who understands 
anything about the call of God in their lives understands the wisdom of trying to get out of it. God's call is more often than not a very severe mercy. So he tried to excuse himself, but of course the Lord was not swayed. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send to you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. So evidently, whatever it was that God was going to ask Jeremiah to say would result in him needing to be rescued. Frankly, not the most enticing call of God. And then the Lord continued. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. There you go. Jeremiah was called to preach specifically a message of destruction. The destruction of Judea, the destruction of Jerusalem, and the destruction of the temple specifically. As a consequence of the sin of the Hebrew people, as a consequence of their assimilation of the pagan cultures around them, he was called to preach God's judgment on the people of God from before he was born. And prophesying judgment was not a vocation he wanted. He took no delight in saying to God's chosen people what the Lord was compelling him to say. He hated the message of judgment he was preaching. A little later in this book, he spoke pretty forcefully to the Lord about what the Lord had called him to do. Listen to this prayer of Jeremiah. Hear the honesty of it. The, the, yeah, the, the honesty. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say, I'll not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. But I hear many whispering terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. And Jeremiah says, Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child is born to you, a son. Oh, may that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? Said Jeremiah the prophet, which I want to say every, every authentic prophet should say. He should have felt that way. For this reason, anyone who enjoys denouncing others in their sin... Anyone who delights in pronouncing judgment on others is not a true prophet. Self-righteous, self-exempting judgment of others is not from God. 
True prophets of, uh, of God truly mourn the judgment they have to pronounce, and they don't take any secret delight in it. True prophets pronounce judgment in fear that they too will be subject to the judgment they are speaking. Judgment without sorrow or fear is simply self-justifying self-righteousness. So Jeremiah was called to pronounce the judgment of God on Judea in the form of Babylon destroying Judea, Jerusalem, and the temple, and he hated having to do it. And the book of Jeremiah, are the judgments of God through the prophet Jeremiah. But among other things, this is what Jeremiah had to preach to God's chosen people. Then the word of the Lord came to me. You must not marry and have sons or daughters in this place. For this is what the Lord says about the sons and daughters born in this land and about the women who are their mothers and the men who are their fathers. They will die of deadly diseases. They will not be mourned or buried, but will be like dung lying on the ground. They will perish by sword and famine, and their dead bodies will become food for the birds and the wild animals. For this is what the Lord says. Do not enter a house where there is a funeral meal. Do not go to mourn or show sympathy, because I have withdrawn my blessing, my love, and my pity from this people, declares the Lord. Both high and low will die in this land. They will not be buried or mourned, and no one will offer food to comfort those who mourn for the dead, not even for a father or a mother, nor will anyone give them a drink to console them. And do not enter a house where there is feasting and sit down to eat and drink. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, Before your eyes and in your days I will bring an end to the sounds of joy and gladness and to the voices of bride and bridegroom in this place. This is what Jeremiah had to preach to the children of Israel. The Lord isn't done. And when you tell these people all this, and they ask you, why has the Lord decreed such a great disaster against us? What wrong have we done? What sin have we committed against the Lord our God? Then say to them, it is because your ancestors forsook me, declares the Lord, and followed other gods and served and worshiped them. They forsook me and did not keep my law, but you have behaved more wickedly than your ancestors. See how all of you are following the stubbornness of your evil hearts instead of obeying me? So I will throw you out of this land into a land neither you nor your ancestors have known, and there you will serve other gods day and night, for I will show you no favor says Yahweh. Yeah. Trifle with that God. Be anything but reverential toward that God. See if you can set the terms of the relationship with that God. I sometimes worry about us, I'll be honest, we who can be so apparently indifferent to the holiness of God and his expectations for us. The reverence and obedience he is due. A little more fear of the God who is would not hurt American Christianity. Trifle with the God revealed in Jeremiah 16.
As much as Jeremiah hated what the Lord was calling him to do, he dared not not do it. He had to. Needless to say, I mean, this is a really hard word from the Lord. Don't marry and don't have kids because they'll die. Don't mourn the deaths of people because God isn't. And don't have a party because God's going to bring an end to all of it. And when they ask you why God is treating them this way, tell them because they had other gods. They had other priorities. They did not keep his law. They were obedient to themselves only. They followed the stubbornness of their own hearts, said Jeremiah. By the way, it's not really a by the way. Regarding obedience, we ought not to consider ourselves obedient when we obey because we agree with the command. That's not really obedience to another. That's simply obedience to ourselves. Obedience is true obedience when we, when we obey when we'd rather do something else. I mean, there's no virtue in obeying because we agree with whatever it is we're asked to do. Obedience is only a virtue when we obey when we don't want to. But let's be clear, God's not on a power trip here. The reason he's calling them to obey is because he's their creator and he knows that their disobedience is destructive. He's asking them to obey for their sake. But God's judgment of the children of Israel was because all of you are following the stubbornness of your evil hearts instead of obeying me. We dare not obey on our terms. And as we read, the end of Jeremiah's message of judgment from the Lord was, so I will throw you out of this land into a land neither you nor your ancestors have known, and there you will serve other gods day and night, for I will show you no favor. So you want to worship other gods? I'm giving it to you. That's the way you want it. That's the way I want it more. All right, let's stop there for a minute. Let's take a little break. So how in the world do we get from I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. How in the world did we get from that to so I will throw you out of this land into a land neither you nor your ancestors have known, and there you will serve other gods day and night, for I will show you no favor. How in the world did we get from there to there? That's because of the rest of the story. There's more to Jeremiah's message. The message didn't end there. The Lord wasn't done speaking when he told them he was going to throw them out of the land he had promised them. Here's what else God said. However, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt. But it will be said, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them. For I will restore them to the land I gave their ancestors. That's an amazing paragraph. That's an amazing promise. The Lord was not going to leave them banished. The Lord was not going to leave them exiled. He wasn't going to leave them captured by the Babylonians living in exile forever. No, I will restore them to the land I gave their ancestors. And what Jeremiah said was there was going 
to be a second exodus greater than the first, so great it would overshadow the first exodus. There would be a calling back to Israel, everyone who had been exiled in every foreign land. In other words, you think the first exodus was something, wait till you see the second. So the second word from Jeremiah, after the word of judgment was a word of promise, I will restore them to the land I gave their ancestors. And then here's what Jeremiah said next. But now I will send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will catch them. After that, I will send for many hunters, and they will hunt them down on every mountain and hill and from the crevices of the rocks. So there we go. God was going to send fishermen and hunters to bring back the children of Israel to the land God gave their ancestors. And don't think for a minute that Andrew and Simon, those Jewish fishermen living in the promised land that was occupied by a pagan government, don't think for a minute that they didn't hear Jesus' invitation in the context of God restoring his people. They were going to be the fishermen bringing God's people back to God. Who would not want to be a part of that? And I kind of wish that's where the story ended because that's a kind of a good ending. But that's not all God said when he first used the metaphor of fishing for people. Here's what else God said. My eyes are on all their ways. They're not hidden from me, nor is their sin concealed from my eyes. I will repay them double for their wickedness and their sin, because they have defiled my land with the lifeless forms of their vile images and have filled my inheritance with their detestable idols. So this fishing for men was a judgment. God was fishing for them to judge them. And for the record, the fishing for people metaphor in both Ezekiel and Amos was for the same purpose. It was a fishing for men for judgment. And so here's the story. The fishing for people would require from them acknowledgement of the truth of God's judgment and it would require repentance on the part of the people. So the promise of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah was that God would provide his people fishermen who would fish for them, who would bring them home. But it would be a restoration of them by virtue of their repentance in the light of God's judgment. And I want to say that again. The promise of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah was that God would provide his people fishermen who would fish for them to bring them home. But it would be a restoration of them by virtue of their repentance in the light of God's judgment. And don't think for a minute that Andrew and Simon, those Jewish fishermen, didn't hear Jesus' invitation in the context of God restoring his people by virtue of his grace and by virtue of their repentance in the light of God's judgment. 
Folks, good news for sure. It was really good news. God was going to rescue his people after all. He was not going to leave them lost. But it was not going to be without cost. It was not going to be without the pain of repentance. And how do we know this? How do we know that come follow me and I'll make you fishers of people was heard in the context of Jeremiah's prophecy? And that's easy. Do you remember what Jesus' message was prior to calling Andrew and Simon to fish for God's stubborn people? We read it this morning. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Turn around Folks, returning to God means forsaking our defiant ways. Returning to God means leaving behind our destructive ways. Entrance into the kingdom means following Jesus and not following everyone else. The way of the Christ follower is a distinctive way of being. It is a distinctive way of living. Living for the Christ means not living for ourselves. There is a repentance that is called from God's people when we hear his call. It is a forsaking of the old way. It is embracing of a new way. So Jesus didn't discover some fishermen as he happened to be walking by the Sea of Galilee and simply come up with an identifiable, identifiable way of calling them as if there were no intentionality to it, as if it were accidental. No, Jesus chose these fishermen first so that he could reveal the nature of the invitation. It was a fulfillment of the promise of God from Jeremiah that God would call his people out of exile again, call them from their sin, and through the hard work of repentance bring them home folks those disciples heard that call as a worthy call it is no wonder that Andrew and Simon followed immediately who would not want to be a part of that rescuing people from the darkness like pulling fish out of the water Rescuing people from the darkness that is destroying them and introducing them to a life-giving way of living. Folks, that's what it means to be fishers of men. That's what it means to be fishers of people. It is participating with God and doing nothing less than rescuing people from the darkness and sin that is destroying their lives. Look around. Look at the lives that are being destroyed because... They don't follow their creator. It is introducing them to Jesus who will save them. Who would not want to be a part of that? Can I say this? I think you'll agree. This invitation to be fishers of persons, rescuing people from darkness, bringing them into light, You'll understand and you'll agree if I say this is not a call for pastors alone. Introducing people to Jesus so that they might be rescued from the darkness and sin that is destroying their lives. That invitation to be part of that mission is for all who have been rescued. 
Would that we be so captured by that call and would that we would respond as Andrew and Simon did. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Our mission statement at College Church is go and make disciples. Folks, the go and make disciples includes a go. It includes a go and make disciples. Folks, we have the privilege of introducing people to no, no. We have the incredible privilege of rescuing people to Jesus. Rescuing people to Jesus. Pulling them out of the darkness into wonderful light. Would that we hear God's call and be compelled by the call to respond as Andrew and Simon did. Immediately they followed Jesus. You've been listening to a podcast from College Church of the Nazarene, University Avenue. If you care to join us for worship, we meet each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at 200 University Avenue in Bourbonnet, Illinois. We also offer a full range of activities, classes, small group meetings, and events throughout the week. For a complete list of what's going on at College Church or for more information on how you can get involved, please go to www.collegechurch.org.